0: not, we got Bradley here. What do you want to ask him?
1: First question would be like, how did you get started with your first deal?
0: It, it it takes a team, right? And I frankly don't even know how people go from zero to hero and go from no experience to doing a deal all on their own. I'm not sure that I'm capable of accomplishing that. And now the time to test that theory has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner's already had experience with think commercial as a senior, underwriter with, a senior underwriter with a bank, as an investor in a mobile home park.
2: Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. I'm very excited for today's show. It's one of our Ask the Expert episodes. We've got two great people on the line with us today. we got Bradley Kirschbaum and Sanat Bandari. So as is typical, Bradley, you're coming in as the experienced investor today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Good to be here with you. Yeah. Good to, good to talk to you again. So... Um, yeah, let's start out by talking about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a um, little bit of history, wherever you want to start, and walk us into you know, getting into apartment investing. Sure. So I'm uh, coming up on
0: 10 years in the Navy as a helicopter pilot, and I think by the time this airs, I'll actually be out of the Navy. I'll be going terminal and going full-time with Symphony Capital Group. Mm -hmm. where my partners and I have been uh, syndicating multifamily complexes around the Southwest for the last three years or so. Um, That's been taking off a lot more lately as we uh, put more and more energy into it and more of us go full time. So I'm excited to hit the ground running. It's been a a great experience so far. But I graduated from Marquette up in Milwaukee back in Mm -hmm. 2012. Um, Always had an entrepreneurial mindset, always was uh, interested in economics and investing. So right after I graduated, I started uh, investing. And in all different types of things, including stocks, equities, um, just paying attention to the markets in general. Yeah. And I had a short time period uh, in the uh, earlier days there where I was paying attention to real estate a little bit, but hadn't quite yet embraced how impactful real estate really was, especially when it came to cash flow and building true stable wealth mm-hmm. that could really be relied upon. But eventually I got smarter about it. And around 2016, 2017, I could see the benefits of commercial real estate and in particular fell in love with uh, different aspects of multifamily. And uh, right around that time, I knew I wanted to pivot and move into other things in my life. Uh, so I started transition and mm-hmm. started networking a lot here in San Diego where I am and where our uh, partnership is based and ended up meeting my three partners, uh, Jeremy, Keith, and Ellis. Mm-hmm. Um, and... By uh, by around 2019, we knew that each of us wanted to uh, push into the syndication business model, and I had some experience at that point investing as an LP and mm-hmm. knew that um, there was a lot to be had if you were both paying attention to the markets as an investor and participating as a business model, and you know, kind of. Combining your day job with what you do in your free time combined with what you like to invest in just compounds effects, right? So I decided to just put more and more time into studying and being involved in commercial real estate. And here we are a few years later. uh, And last year, we uh, participated in over $100 million worth of purchase priced assets. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a goal over the next 12 to 18 months to purchase 1,000 units in Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, And that's right now what we're laser focused on. We've owned and co-GP'd around the Southwest from Austin, Houston, DFW, Kansas Mm -hmm. City, um, and one or two other JV situations in the Southwest that weren't syndicated. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have decided to shift gears a little bit and really, really attack uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. So if you're in that neighborhood or you're uh, hunting around for properties there, uh, we'd love to see if there's some synergies, but that's where we're going to be spending our year.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh that's a really nice area. There, there's a lot of growth going there. Um, I actually was in Dallas in, in December looking at a couple of investment opportunities. And um, one thing I like to point out, I live in Idaho Falls. Dallas is growing by the size of an Idaho Falls every year. You know, they're literally adding a city the size that I live in to their overall population, the metro area every single year. So um that, that's something that I can, you know, put into perspective. I you know, drive up to the top of the hill, look over. And I'm like, this is how much Dallas is growing by every single year. But great place. Um, and, and one, one thing I, I like to also point out, you know, the the mixing, I guess your your business with your investment philosophy. Um, I'm in a mastermind where we were going over, you know, what we want to do with our business and career and what we want to do with investing in as separate categories. And you know, I'm looking at the two. I'm like, I kind of see those as one. I mean, my my investing is my business, which, you know, may simplifies a lot of things. But, uh, um, anyway, that said, um, so you're you're focusing on Dallas. Tell us what you like about Dallas besides what we already mentioned, and and um, what type of stuff are you guys looking for there?
0: Around the United States, there's insane growth metrics right now. Uh, in particular, the purchase price is growing, right? So underlying that, we really want to see population growth, we want to see job growth, and we want to see the average household income having a really good delta between what an expected tenant can afford and where that household income is today. So that's a good place to start. And some of those communities and DFW in particular to the east and northeast uh, afford a lot of opportunities for that. I'll say that we have participated in and have on our hands right now a few assets that are mm-hmm. more or less your quintessential C, C plus, full renovation, mm-hmm. um, you know, force appreciation plays. And I like that. Those are bread and butter, great ways to bring rents up. However, now today, looking at price tags changing, logistics creating complications, I was just on a call yesterday with about ten or twelve individuals, in which every single person with a large, small, large or small multifamily property mm-hmm. or a single family ho- house that was being renovated all said they were over budget yep. and over timeline.
2: And we are too. And
0: we're trying, we're holding, hold trying to hold to our timeline on one of our own properties that's being renovated right now. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we were able to stash a couple of extra supplies in some in some extra rooms and kind of prep for uh, yeah. increasing costs a few months ago. But it starts to make the conversation around what the risk is and what the t- control over the timeframe is on some of these construction projects mm-hmm. uh, a more important thing to assess. And in particular, if you're combining different teams and third parties that don't have synergy and haven't been working together multiple times, the risk factor increases a little bit. However, you want to measure that. Yeah, and that keeping that you know at the forefront of our mind and combining the other factor that. Cap rate compression has been happening rapidly, but even without any more compression, you currently have class B plus or A properties Mm -hmm. in the DFW metro that have, in a particular case we're looking at right now, we've just submitted our PSA today, Mm -hmm. LOI, excuse me. We have 75% of the units being completed with renovation. Mm -hmm. The other 25 of these 200 units need to be renovated. And the renovated units that have been leased up in the last 12 to 24 months are now at the same price tag as the unrenovated units. They are putting tenants in the unrenovated units at the same price tag Mm -hmm. as the renovated units because there's so much demand for someone to just get into a unit right now. Yeah. Why fight the stream? Why fight the current flow with it? Don't take. You know, there's a risk to construction. There's a risk to uh, timelines. And if you know the market right now is holding to a certain rate that is above your quality, above what your asset can provide, mm-hmm. you have to analyze that and consider uh, how much delta that really gives you. If you're go- going to continue going to continue to pursue a mm-hmm. loss to lease situation, right? Yeah in the meantime that's within that one property you look at the comps around us and the comps around us are pushing rents up another 150 and 200 dollars on the single and two bedrooms above what we're underwriting to so we like the situation we think everyone needs to look at any asset that they're thinking about on a case by case basis whether the market is hot or whether it's tertiary and um, um, you know continue to understand what has been underwritten mm-hmm. and how the different metrics on that underwriting adjust what the returns look like. It's it's not satisfactory to say a certain city is too hot or a certain city is overbought. Yeah. And it's not satisfactory to say all of this renovation is going to force appreciation on the property because again, going back to your control of yeah. properly completing that renovation, we're starting to lose a bit of that right now in the market. So- That's kind of our thought process, and that's what we're looking at and looking for in Dallas.
2: Yeah, so a couple of points to to bring out there, you know, construction costs. I mean, we've had rampant inflation over the last year and a half, and construction costs have gone up a lot higher than inflation has. And on our properties, we are 15 to 20% over our budgets that we, we predicted or we projected, you know, a year and a half, you know, year, year and a half ago. So there's definitely part of that. There's also a supply chain thing that you talked that you you mentioned where you know things are getting delayed um you know so we we've had a lot of delays on construction and you know instead of taking you know 2 weeks to renovate a unit a lot of times it's taking 3 or 4 and many times we're waiting for like a washing you know a a dishwasher or a fridge to to arrive you know before we can turn put the assets up there and, and the other thing you mentioned, I appreciate you doing it. Is you, you got you can't over you shouldn't over renovate. You need to look at what everyone else is doing, and you know just because you renovate doesn't mean you're going to get the bumps. And um, absolutely true. You know, you got to look to the left, to the right, do a really good you know comp analysis to realize uh, to to figure out where you're going to come in with the renovations. I mean, granite and stainless steel isn't always going to give you a premium. There there's always a limit to where you can go. So. A um, lot of goodness there, you know, and a uh, um, lot to unpack. So, let's let's talk specifics now about, uh, you know, one of the deals that you guys have recently done. Uh, is there one that you'd like to highlight and talk about? Well, even though we're pushing into Texas, we have
0: two activities in Kansas City. One which we just closed this week, ninety-five units in a in a community called Stony Brook. Up the road about four miles away we have another 89 units that was purchased last year um and it actually plays towards the comments i made earlier where we're working with a co-gp in that situation that we've had an organic trustworthy relationship for quite a while with now uh, once we were cozy and comfortable with them and their experience which was decades Longer than ours and all within Kansas City, we knew that that brought a lot of expertise to the table in that market, considering we're an out-of-state player. That yeah. made us feel a lot more comfortable comfortable about uh, investing into you know, a market with underlying great numbers. Um, selecting your partners is critical, whether you're an LP or a GP uh, or looking at third parties. So we are comfortable there, and that is why we have done a few deals with them. Now we'll probably throw in a few more just because there's natural deal flow there that they're they're seeing for us. Uh, aside from our focus on DFW, mm-hmm. but those two plays are are quintessential, you know, C class um, force appreciation. And speaking to the game plan, I never thought when we were figuring out the business plan there that we would be purchasing the amount of raw material and the amount of washer, dryer, mm-hmm. uh, and countertop upgrades in the quantity and as ad- in advance of a timeline as possible as we're doing now, yeah. right? Just to make up for the variables that everyone's seeing. But what's nice is that the construction team is on site. They're only focused on property number one that we have, and they're effectively going to segue, move down the street and, and flow right into property number two. Yeah. On a- very light kind, similar contract garden style, uh, rinse and repeat situation with, with the property itself. So it's not like they're figuring out the game plan as they move over to number two, they're just moving over to the location where the effectively the same units are and just rinsing and repeating. So kind of in a way already locking up uh, the talent, if you will, and getting them to continue their timeline with us is, is to our advantage. And, and that's the kind of play
2: that we have in Kansas city right now. Yeah. I think there, there's a lot of benefits to doing that. Um, I mean, once, once you have the finishes that work, you can pick the finishes. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of benefits. And part of the reason people like multifamily is just the scalability and the efficiencies you get. And if, if you're renovating, you know, ballpark, you, you got just under 200 units in Kansas city, you know, you're buying the same LVP or whatever the flooring is, you're buying the exact same stuff now for 200 units and you're buying, you know, 200 living room ceiling fans and you're going to, you know, buy paint, you know, for all of these units it's going to be the same color. So, you know, you mentioned you can buy in bulk and you can get a lot of discounts and if you're going to renovate that many units, you you can actually take advantage of it. Um but one more thing I like where your heads at is you're looking at how fast prices are going up right now. And you're using that to your advantage like, Hey, we're going to buy a lot of stuff right now because it's going to be a lot more expensive three to six months from now. So you're, you're also, you know, saving money on, on two different ways there, both in bulk, but also, you know, before the, the prices go up due to the inflation rate right now. So Absolutely. a lot of, a lot of goodness there. So let's, let's talk a little bit about motivations and it's probably my favorite question on on the entire podcast. I, it, I like to peer into people's souls, so to speak. Don't take that literally. Um, I can't do that yet, Been working on it. Um, but what, what's your big burning why? You no, know, I
0: something that I've appreciated about my marriage with my wife is that we both have a uh, parallel outlook on life and what our purpose is here on earth. And we really didn't articulate that with each other in the early days. But once we started to talk about it, and think about what we're trying to do here over the next 100 years let's say uh you know we both realized that making an impact in our communities was something we wanted to always have a focus on and we're trying to do that sooner rather than later and we have um with a few trusted partners we have some fairly lofty goals one of which is to help create the capacity for 10,000 people to effectively move off of the streets and by Capacity. We move that in a few different. We measure that in a few different ways, which includes creating more units and available properties for the homeless to stay in. So, actually, um, about two years ago, I set up a nonprofit called the Canopy Project, and the Canopy Project focuses on, right now, focuses on finding homeless shelters and other sorts of shelters that support individuals that effectively keeps them from having to stay on the street. And what we do is. Um, work hand in hand with those shelters to understand what their runway looks like. Are they at threat of being shut down? Are they at a hundred percent occupancy all the time? Do they need expansion? Do they need renovation? And when we find potential um, to put a couple dollars in a uh, onto the books of a, a property or a shelter that would otherwise be shut down or otherwise needs a, you know, a sum so that they can do a necessary renovation to make, let's say one more unit available. Um, we try to, you know, amplify the situation there and bring in new fundraising that helps support their their end goal and help support their community. So we're trying to do effective targeting fundraising for um, assets that already exist mm-hmm. and assets that are threatened, uh, to be closed down soon if they don't find financial support outside of their community. Uh-huh. So right now that's how we're approaching the 10,000 unit, um, goal. And I'd like to, as my capabilities expand in different ways, and my network expands, get a lot more hands-on with that sooner rather than later. Uh, to me, it's a challenge 10,000 yeah. people talk about owning 10,000 units, but I think influencing that type of, um, that type of social support is a is a lofty goal and one that uh, I'm going to have to work fairly hard to reach. But yeah. how it combines back to business is again doubling down on being focused on real estate. The more I learn about real estate and participate in the market and run a business model on it, the better I can probably serve that cause. Right, yeah. and to reach a, a large number of supporting that many people, I have a I have a particular financial figure that I think it would cost to just straight up build 10,000 units and it's uh, substantial and yeah, I can't do it by myself, yep. but that's that's the point. We're going to have to shoot high. I'm going to have to meet a lot of people that can help. And I'm going to have to actually promote that situation and not just think about it inside of my own office. I'm going to have to go out there and talk to more and more people about what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And that in and of itself will uh, force me to be more aggressive about what we're trying to accomplish. So to me, that's become a focus of ours helping out uh, our community and communities around us in that, in that way.
2: Nice. Nice. And I'll t- tie a little knot on something you said earlier. You mentioned where your, your investments and your businesses and, um, all that stuff align. Now, I mean, it sounds like your charity, your, your charitable arm is aligning along the same, same lines as well. So doing the same type of thing in three different areas of your life. So, um, well I very much appreciate that. I think that's a, a very noble cause. There there are a lot of people who need um need shelter and you know as much as you know we a lot of people take it for granted me I, I know I do. Um there there's still a lot of people in there out there that don't have you know a good place to sleep every night I and mean, and I think good people like you stand up the more people who stand up and do something about it the better it's going to be for everybody. So thanks a lot.
0: Yeah. You know, my, I got to throw it in there that my, my sister is actually a full-time social worker. She works in Hennepin County, AKA mm-hmm. the twin cities That's up so in that. Minneapolis. Yeah. And uh, she's got a master's in social work and has a pretty substantial role within the county now. And just watching her and her participation and supporting that is really what influenced me to double down and say, Hey, I'm, I'm understanding and I'm learning these things. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm growing a network that is capable of, of, putting a lot of resources towards undervalued situations, this would be a worthwhile thing to focus on. And, and frankly, um, you know, what else is the point of life if not to help other people, uh, aside from, you know, being able to stand on your own two feet. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm comfortable with my lifestyle, uh, to want for more would be, uh, just selfish of me, frankly. I have fun with real estate. It's it's an activity. It exercises my mind. I like pursuing it, uh, but putting it to even better use, I think, is ultimately what I should be doing. So um, we're
2: increasing our focus on that by the month and I'm excited about it. Awesome. All right. So I think uh, we, we talked a little bit about it, but I'm still going to ask the question, what's next for you? Well, uh, give me 14 days here, and it'll be full time.
0: Symphony Capital Group. Uh, I've actually got my next flight nice. booked for Texas. I'm excited to get down there and uh, walk a couple properties, see a couple current assets, see a couple of uh, of assets that will hopefully be ours, mm-hmm. and uh, meet a few of the investors that live in the state as well. But uh, aside from that, um, working within Symphony Capital Group, I've been focusing on uh, doing quite of our um, current and future capital raising with accredited investors. Mm-hmm. At, as well as um, kind of operating in a, I guess you could call it COO or asset management position. I, I like to take as many um, pieces of operation off the plates of, of of my partners who are very focused on uh, you know outward investor relations and promotion, as well as uh, those hard skills of looking at the Excel sheets every day and focusing on the underwriting. So, yep. in effect, dealing with all the third parties that actually. Uh, uh, deal with and manage uh, the properties themselves. So I'll,
2: I'll be reaching out and working hand in hand with them. I'm sure they're excited to get you uh, going full-time with them too. So we're probably chomping yeah. at the bit as much as you are. Absolutely. Speaking of um, one of your partners, Ellis Hammond came on the podcast. Uh, it's been at least a year, um, but if anybody's interested in hearing his story, you know, episode 89 is, is where you need to look. So um, anyway, that said, we're going to shift gears and we're going to bring on the, um, the other guests we have waiting, you know, Sanat, um, welcome to the show and thanks for patiently waiting.
1: Thanks for having me on the show, Brian. appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Well, do us, do us a favor and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, for Sure. Hi, everyone. So um, I'm based out of Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, I, have, I have a bachelor's in computer science and math. And I graduated like, not too long ago, I'm about to graduate with my master's here pretty soon. Um, currently, I'm working full time in commercial multifamily development space. So I have worked primarily as a financial analyst. So I'm working on the underwriting side of deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work on underwriting like new projects, like even like bit analysis and creating bank books and all that all that fun stuff. From an investment perspective, I currently own a single-family rental, mm-hmm. and I'm about to close on my second one next month, so pretty soon. Um, and nice. eventually, like I'm um, like move on to move on to multifamily units, so as to expand expand my portfolio and scale up faster.
2: Nice, nice. I love it. I love it. Now, incidentally, I have two degrees in math too. Um, you know, but uh, definitely, you know, math is a very useful skill. And computer science nowadays, man. Um, very, very useful for for a lot of what uh, what we do, as far especially on the analysis side. So, um, so what's uh, what what brings you into the multifamily space?
1: Yeah, so my motivation for investing in multifamily multifamily like asset classes mostly to scale my real estate portfolio, like faster while retaining the relative stability because housing is a very stable asset class in general. Mm-hmm. Um, along with that the best part is like, it's a good hedge against inflation and there's a lot of tax benefits and like potential value adds, which are, which are great in my opinion for billing wealth. Plus I like cultivating relations with other people in the industry. So the fact that real estate enables me to be on that, role, that, that side as well. Um, so I, I love that. And that's why I'm moving on towards the multifamily asset class.
2: Awesome, awesome. Love it. Now, something that I like to talk you talked about why multifamily, but what's what's your your bigger, deeper burning why that keeps you motivated and pushing forward?
1: Honestly, building wealth. <laughs> building wealth will be a pretty big one because um, so I'm so I'm an immigrant to to the States. So like I start I came here like with nothing and I started from nothing. So the prospect of building wealth and like impacting communities that's very appealing to me i would say that's my huge big burning why essentially i would say it's like an egotistical thing to prove myself that hey mm-hmm. you know I, I can i can do this i can leave yeah. a mark
2: nice nice uh where, where were you born
1: yeah so i was born in india uh, okay. I was born and raised in india i moved to states in 2017 uh i'm from the northwestern part of the country so the city mm-hmm. i'm from it's called amritsar and it's on the border with india and oh, nice. india and pakistan so yeah yeah
2: yeah i'm 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 vaguely familiar with that area of the world uh, i'm sure bradley's you know been over there once or twice too so um somewhere close to that but uh yeah i mean i've i've not been to that part but uh you know it's been you know being being a military guy that's kind of a focus of a lot of a lot of attention so um anyway that said let's uh let's not talk about that let's talk more about the real estate side and so um you know so now we got bradley here what do you want to ask him
1: yeah, I got got a couple of questions for you Bradley. So, first question would be like how did you get started with your first deal? Like specifically like first multifamily deal.
0: Yeah, focus within within what Symphony has done. It 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 takes a team, right? And I frankly don't even know how people go from zero to hero and go from no experience to doing a deal all on their own. I'm not sure that I'm capable of accomplishing that. And now the time to test that theory is passed. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner's already had experience with Think Commercial as a senior underwriter with a senior underwriter with a bank, as an investor in uh, mobile home parks and uh, as a capital raiser to some degree with uh, both nonprofits and uh, investments and um, I was familiar with how things worked, I was familiar with the benefits, I had purchased other things, but not uh, medium or large multifamily, but I just said, hey, look, I can bring a lot of other skills to the team that you're going to need, I can understand an organization, I can understand people, and uh, I can understand the importance of accountability, and frankly, uh, trusting but verifying, which is the quintessential Navy phrase of um. Uh, ensuring that other people are doing their job. Mm-hmm. And um, and that more or less points towards why I'm operating in a uh, human management type of role uh, into the future as we accumulate more and more units. But realistically, it took partners. It took networking. And then once I had the partners, getting the deals themselves, that took more partners. That took more networking. So when you said that you like connecting with other individuals, you like the networking aspect and, and the collaboration that's great because you cannot do this from behind your computer screen. You can do Zoom calls all you want, but you're going to have to get out there and, and you know, go see the properties, go meet the people who work them, go see the people that live there, ensure that um, your assumptions about the neighborhood and the community are correct, right? Um, it's a very, it's a very relationship-based game and it's just on you to keep finding more relationships and nurturing them and improving them and actually put energy and time into them, Right. The things that have moved the needle the most for us have come from the things that we've put the most energy into and the people that we've you know, grown the best relationships with bar nothing else. And frankly, that is what is pushing us um, as we spiral our way up to bigger and better things, right? And um, it's something to just keep at the front of your mind all the time, whether it's deal number one or deal number 100, it's happening because you uh, have relationships with those other people around you. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think Absolutely I think rooms. partnership is is the fastest way to success in multifamily. I mean, um, bar bar none. Just like he said, you know, find find partners who can who are strong where you're weak, or who are more experienced than you, and it makes getting into this industry a lot faster and a lot easier. Especially
1: if your partners already have experience. Absolutely, for sure. So, Bradley, where was your first deal at? And what was the size of the deal?
0: Kansas City was really the first acquisition, 89 units, uh, Class C. It was one of the two that I was uh, talking about earlier. Um, we're just shy of a year on, on holding that. We had some other activities when we were first joining up, some JV situations in the Southwest and here in San Diego. But that was the first proper 506 Bravo syndication that really fits the syndication model and made us go uh, you know from front to back uh, everything syndication, from subscription documents uh, to working with an SEC attorney uh, to working with the third parties that now work with us today, including our, our great CoGP uh, relationship over in Kansas City. that was that was really number one for our team in in terms of the business model that we run today.
1: That's awesome. A uh, quick question. So, what's the difference between the 506B and 506C when it comes to like syndication? I'm vaguely familiar with it, but if you could explain that, that'd be uh, I think that'd be that'd be helpful.
0: I'll put it this way. There's to round it out really quickly. There's quite a bit of fine print on these things, but 506B B is for buddies. Your buddies don't need to be accredited, um, and anyone can really participate. However, you can't promote. Um, and there's A lot of, um, I wouldn't say gray area, but there are fine lines to pay attention to with that. But I can't uh, shout out to social media that I've got a deal. It's a real winner. Send me your money, right? You can't do that with the 506B, but your buddies and people that you've already had a prior relationship with could be investing. When you go over to 506C or Charlie, Uh, C, it's almost like just saying credited or accredited. Mm -hmm. They have to be an accredited investor. The details on that uh, you can find with an easy Google search, but effectively it's a million dollar net worth outside of your personal home and either two or $300,000 worth of uh, verified income in your household if you're single or married. And if you're an accredited investor, the United States has basically said, uh, we're willing to allow you to risk your capital and whatever you'd like to invest in and so long as you make the conscious decision to partner with anyone promoting uh, any kind of deal, you're free to participate. Hmm. I'm not sure that I quite agree with the accreditation standpoint and laws, and they're, they're constantly changing, frankly. At, um, uh, they're constantly being talked about on a yeah. yearly or bi-yearly pace. But for now, that's, that's where those laws stand.
2: I mean, the the million dollar accreditation that's been in place for like 20 years, you know, or, or longer. I don't, I don't know exactly when it's been, but it's it's been in place for a long time. So they they talked about raising the bar, you know, between 1 million to 2 million, 1 million to 3 million. But a- end of the day, you know, 506B, like like Bradley said, you know, you're limited to friends and family, people who are in your current network. 506C, you can shout it from the mountaintops, but you can only bring in accredited investors. So yeah, pros and cons, both directions.
0: Gotcha. If you're familiar with the Series 7 exam or other financial exams that are out there. Once in a while, I think currently even there's just whispers about allowing there uh, to be an exam you could pass to also establish accreditation and basically prove that you're a sophisticated investor who has a bottom line knowledge of how different investments work. And that could then uh, lead to your accreditation um, yeah. so that's like one of those conversations that's been up in the air more recently, but whether or not that will come to fruition, who knows? Yeah.
1: And the series seven exam is for a securities license, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. One of the underlying tests. Uh, yes. series, yeah.
2: series six actually qualifies you as an accredited investor now. And series seven okay. allows you to, um, be a broker that that's the, yes, that's your, your broker licenses. So, um, very helpful for for multifamily as well as to have a series seven licenses um then you can be a capital raiser and be a true capital raiser that's all you do but um a lot of a lot of what's done you know there's a there's a lot of gray area a lot of legalities that have to be um you have to know
1: how to navigate so bradley how many assets under management does your team have right now as symphony capital
0: after closing this deal uh, in Kansas city this week, we're pushing six assets and um, the goal right now is if we hit our pace to roughly purchase one, a quarter. So one per quarter, excuse me. So hopefully we can call it 10 when
2: 2023 comes around. Mm-hmm. Nice round number. <laughs> Good place to get. That's all. That's, that's why we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it easy. <laughs> round numbers on your goals. So. So, not what else you got? You got so, time for one more question? We have to bring the podcast to a close.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so, what does what does the equi- equity and legal structure look like in your in your deals? What does
0: the what and legal structure? Uh, equity. Like so, the,
1: what percentage of? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. So, when you're looking so at the splits,
2: yeah.
0: we've run a seven pref. Uh, the investor in a class A gets a seven preferred seven re- percent preferred return after they've reached seven percent we've done a 70 30 split. Mm-hmm. I believe there was one property in which uh when the investors reached a 15% return, the hurdle then changed uh, that hurdle then changed the split to 50-50. Mm-hmm. But usually seven pref was 70 30 afterwards. It really it's interesting because both sponsors and deal by deal, those splits will change. Yeah. And that is really an effect of what the asset, what the assumptions are with how the asset can perform, right? It's hard to guarantee a 10 pref and a 70-30 split, depending on, you know, if you have weak cash flow, right? If you're waiting for money on the back end or or there might be a, a thin line throughout the project, you can't or you should not be making promises towards something that that isn't really guaranteed. So people manipulate the split in different ways. Uh, hopefully to the advantage of the LPs and obviously the safety
2: of everyone who's participating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think splits, I mean, that, that's something that, uh, you know, once, once you're talking to a lot of people in your network, you start understanding what people are looking to get. Um, but yeah, different, different investors have different ideas of what they want out of um, investment opportunities. And a lot of times you, you kind of align those splits with, with the target investor that you're looking at, but all right, well, and day, we, we are at a time. So one last question for each of you, Bradley, you get to go first. How can investors learn more about you?
0: If I use the right hand right up here, if you're watching this virtually, yeah. Bradley at symphonycapitalgroup.com, symphonycapitalgroup.com is our website. Uh, feel free to reach out if you think there's some synergy here. We'd love to, I would love to have a conversation with you and um, see what you're doing in your markets or if you're interested in what we're doing uh, in Texas and
2: Kansas City. So yeah, if you're on YouTube, obviously you can see his contact information and the QR code on his virtual background. If you're not, we're going to put that in the show notes for you so you can just quickly, um, quickly find it. Yeah, Uh, real quick, Brian, this is this is
0: my office just so everyone listening knows. uh, Oh, so that's
2: not the virtual background. Okay. Got it. All right. So that's like, yeah, cool. I love, love how you got that, you know, your contact information just hanging back there. It's pretty cool. So, um, all right. So not same question for you. How can listeners learn more about you?
1: Yeah. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. Please feel free to reach out to me anytime. And I'd love to talk to you and see if you have any opportunities. If, um, if there's any synergies between us, and yeah, and like, and just further networking opportunities. Like my uh, my LinkedIn is like my first name and last name. So S A N A T and last name is Bandari B H A N D A R I. All right, and we
2: we will have a link to that profile uh, for those who are. Um, you know, challenge with spelling, you know, we'll have a link to that in the profile as well. So you can just click and go. So that said, thanks to both of you for being on the show today. Appreciate your time and uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. Thank you, Brian. Good to meet
1: you, Sanat. Thank you. Good to meet you as well.
2: Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. And then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show,